In the great halls of USA Today, we assemble the newsroom's mightiest nerds, Brett Molina. I'm so sorry for the producer of this podcast. <laughs> Kelly Lawler. I will fight you on it. Brian Truitt. Spoiler town! <laughs> Together, they form The Mothership. Their mission? To harness their collective encyclopedic knowledge of nerdiness in all its forms. To dissect every trailer, plot twist, and game released for the geekiest of fans. The Mothership. Saving the universe from bad comic book adaptations every Friday. All aboard the Mothership, the Geek Culture Podcast from the USA Today Network. Thank you so much for joining us, and happy Friday, friends. Happy Friday! Happy Friday! Let's meet the crew. I'm Brett Molina. I play video games. And what's getting me through this week is, last weekend, uh, I got to watch Cruella. Uh, My kids were bugging me to watch it, and I figured, all right, we're not going to actually be in the theater, so let's just plunk down the price for the Premier Access stuff, and we watched it. And it's really, really good. I think it is one of my favorite kind of Disney prequel remake type movies they've done. Um, There were a lot of things about that movie I didn't expect. Emma Stone is fantastic as Cruella. I thought she did a fabulous job. Um, The Ocean's Eleven kind of vibe that I got from parts of this movie was definitely not what I was expecting, but they work really, really well. Um, Lots of really fun characters that... The two um, kids that she meets at the beginning that are kind of her lifelong kind of friends, partners throughout are really great. Um, Lots of cool dogs in this movie, minus the really mean Dalmatians, but there were other cool dogs. Um, Just really well done. Emma Thompson's fantastic as the Baroness. Um, I just thought it was really well done. I was really impressed by it. And I really, these are the kind of like the Disney remakes I like where it's not the shot for shot let's just make a real life version of the animated movie i like when they kind of experiment and go down these different paths like they've done with cruella so highly recommend it i'm probably gonna watch it again i watched it three times gets better every time (laughs) i i I also highly recommend it i'm brian truitt i watch movies and what's getting me through this week is so i watched five i'm gonna five girls forever that's why i keep it's girls five forever i i'm gonna forever mispronounce that that show but so i was on a peacock mood and, and so, and then I watched We Are Lady Parts, which is a, um, it's, it's, I think it's drops now. It's, it's on there now. Um, yeah. it's a, it's, it's kind of like an interesting spiritual, um, thing with, with Girls Five Eva because it's about a Muslim punk band in, in London. And you know, they really need a, you know, a lead guitarist. And there's this girl who you like, you know, she, she's a scientist, she's a student. And then, you know, and she she ends up becoming like, but she's also like this kind of like closeted awesome, not closeted closet, but you know she's like she she has this incredible guitar playing skills that she never does because she's like in a lab half the time or, or trying to you know trying to be trying to find a um, husband because of the culture and everything and it's it, so she becomes part of this like this all girl Muslim punk band it's it's really good it's 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 English so it's only like six episodes um, but it's so good you know. All the characters are great. Um, and just and the music's cool. You know, they get in trouble on social media, and that's like a cool thing, but it's also got heart. Um, so I highly recommend that. Um, well, I'm Kelly Lawler. I watch television, and for the um, second time recently, Brian has picked what I was going to discuss. Oh, sorry. Um, <laughs> we Are Lady Parts is uh, 
uh, really, really good. Um, and it was, I think, my favorite or second favorite pick for my summer TV preview. Um, and yeah, it's streaming now on Peacock, so I highly recommend. But I'll talk about another show that's streaming this weekend that I also really enjoyed, which is Sweet Tooth on Netflix. Um which is based on uh, the Jeff Lemire comics about a post-apocalyptic world where all new newborn kids are half human, half animal hybrids. And there's also this like deadly virus that like killed most of humanity and won't go away. Um, and despite having a lot of COVID parallels, and I mean, they even use some like COVID imagery, including like six feet apart signs and like the style of masks that we were all wearing, not just like hospital masks, but like cloth masks and whatnot. Um, it's uh, it's really good and it's pretty sweet, as the title might indicate. Um, it's like a family friendly thing, but not like so young. Like if your kids were able to watch Stranger Things, they might be, they'll probably be able to um, appreciate this. There's is definitely like death there's some real cruelty and moral questions and that kind of thing um and i just thought it was a really really interesting world that i think looked kind of hokey to me at first not knowing the comics but i really got into as i watched uh the first season so um that is out on netflix as of today the comic's really good too if you if you like to read the comics before your tv shows the comic's very good. I have to say that when Netflix first sent me a press release about this, I kind of skimmed it and I said it was I saw it was called Sweet Tooth and it's like it's they referenced something called the Great Crumble and I was like, is this a food show? Is this a new food reality series? <laughs> <laughs> but when the trailer came out, so many people um that I like really respect and often agree with, critics and journalists, were so excited about it because they'd read the comics that made me much more interested in it. Cool. Well, if this is your first time listening to us, welcome. New episodes of The Mothership drop every Friday, and you can subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts or wherever you like to listen. While you're there, it would be wonderful if you could write a quick review about the show. By doing that, you help other fans who love nerdy pop culture find us. And as a bonus, we give you a special shout out on the next episode. So try it out. Tell us what you want to see from the show moving forward. Don't forget, along with leaving a review, you can get in touch with us on Twitter. We're at Mothership Pod, or you can email MothershipPod at USAToday.com. Let's get to our main topic. Here's a clip. I'm on a bull hunt. What's a bull hunt? Like a scavenger hunt Scott and his brother made up when they were kids. Mrs. Landon, I just thought I'd give it one more try in person. Scott's unpublished words need to be collected, examined. You're never going to see his papers. She won't let them go. I'll get those papers for you. Skyline's books change. Do you remember that night you asked if I was crazy? I believed in it. That's how strong his imagination is. There's a place. I'll take you there. That was from Lisey's Story, the new Apple TV Plus limited series based on the Stephen King novel. The show stars Julianne Moore as a widow who, two years after the death of her mega-popular author husband, played by Clive Owen, goes on a supernatural treasure hunt that unlocks repressed memories and truths about the relationship. This is a Stephen King jam, so there's going to be some horror and some danger around, and that comes in the form of rabid superfan played by this week's special guest, Dane DeHaan. You might know him as the Green Goblin from The Amazing Spider-Man 2 or other movies such as Chronicle, A Cure for Wellness, and Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets. So, Dane, thanks so much for being here. It's uh, really great to have you. Thanks for having me. Um, let's start here. How have you been doing 
through all this pandemic stuff? Yeah, it's been okay. You know, my son was born a year ago. Um, that was pretty much it. <laughs> <laughs> just, just a new kid. That's all. <laughs> well, congratulations. <laughs> yeah, congratulations. Well, luckily, everyone was everyone was healthy, and you know, we're vaccinated. Those of us that can be, and starting to feel okay. You know. I, I talked with Stephen King and he uh, about Le- Lisey's story, and he said his grandkids are now obsessed with you, Dane. Um, what was it like, kind of working with him on this? You know, working with a master. It was really amazing, uh, especially because we had this kind of wonderful collaborative process in creating the character. Like as you see him on the show, he's, you know, it is different than um, how he is in the book, and we really between Pablo, Lorraine, the director, and Stephen King and myself um, had this dialogue um, to create the character. And Stephen was writing um, scenes for my character kind of as we were going along and trying to create something like, you know, really like kind of unnerving and off-putting in a modern setting. And to do that with someone like Stephen King, you know, it's just it was amazing. Um, so one thing when I was watching that really struck me is like there's obviously been a lot of portrayals of like rabid fans in pop culture before. And then Stephen King has a very famous one with Annie Wilkes and Misery. So and those parallels hit me as soon as I started watching, knowing that I was watching a Stephen King production. So what do you think makes Jim Dooley stand out in any kind of way? Um well, he's a truly unique individual, you know, um, he, he maybe, he maybe eats more than, uh, he maybe eats more than anyone in the history of, uh, of television. <laughs> um, you know, he, uh, he's a true character, you know, I, obviously there's other, sure. Like you said, there's other like rabid fans, uh, that have been portrayed, but Dooley's just such a character. I think he's like truly unique and, um, you know, the way he looks, the way he talks, you know, the way he kind of goes about everything. He's, he seems like to me, he's, he's such a unique creature that'll always have a special place in my heart. I think I was more freaked out by him eating fried chicken than like most of the other stuff that he did. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. Yeah. The eating, you know, that was, Pablo Lorraine, the director, really wanted Dooley to like always be eating. That was kind of something that he talked to me about when I first met with him about the project. And, um, you know, I think it is like, it's weird and fascinating to really like, you know, there's not that much footage of people just eating, um, in movies or TV shows or whatever. And when you really, it's such a like intimate thing. Um, you know, that when someone is just eating, it's, I don't know, there's something like intimate and creepy and about it. I think kind of no matter who would be doing it, but then when you have Dooley doing it, it just, it really, I think helps inform who the character is. Yeah. And I ate a lot of fried chicken that day. <laughs> well, it's a nice punctuation point too, that, you know, kind of that video that he does, you know, where he pretty much lays out his entire thought process and, you know, thesis statement and everything. And then pops a cheese ball, like at the end of it. Yeah. <laughs> like what is Dooley going to be eating today? And even watching it, like every scene we did had me eating something. And sometimes they used the take where I was like eating and sometimes they did not more often than not. It was what I was eating, but, Um, you know, I I think there's like a Slurpee that didn't make it in there. There's some Oreos that didn't make it in. Um, but it was always a conversation of, you know, what else can Dooley be eating? 
And I've also, I've, someone told me the other day that Stephen King is like super into Twinkies. And I just feel like going back, we really missed out on our opportunity to have Dooley eating a Twinkie. <laughs> so there's this quiet intensity about Jim, but he also has moments where he's physically lashing out. Um, you know, in the first couple episodes, he almost takes out a payphone. And then there's this sequence where he's almost slam dancing. Um, what did you like most about figuring out both Jim's internal and external struggles? Well, it was, it was a really interesting process in creating the character. Um, and I think, you know, it, it was important that this person that seems like he could be meek, you need to know that he can also be dangerous and violent. Like you, that needs to be something I think that's planted in the audience's head. Um, not just because of how he looks, but because, um, of what he does. And I think, you know, with the, the payphone, you know, that moment, I think it's one of the first real times we, we see him. And, um, I think it just shows like this guy can be dangerous and it is about walking that line. And I think it's, it's one of the things that, um, I enjoyed about creating the character and that makes him interesting is that he has these, he's mostly quiet and he's mostly monotone. Um, but, um, you learn really quickly about him that like he there's a lot of hate in there um and that he he can easily be violent and dangerous and that's what makes him scary overall what did you connect with the most about you know the show and its themes just in a in a big bigger sense um i mean i don't really know i think in watching it I mean, there's certainly not a lot that I identify with in Dooley, uh, who's very different than me. Um, but I think in the show, you know, I think um, just being an artist and um, what what it means to be an artist and to have an imagination and where that imagination comes from. And then the navigation of like marriage and love and life within the context of an artist's life. You know, I think the show speaks really kind of beautifully and poetically about, about those themes. And that's certainly something that, that I can totally identify with. One other thing the show is really exploiting is like the whole idea of celebrity and from an angle, I mean, that we don't see too often. Um, so we're just wondering, have you ever had any kind of fan interactions that are obviously probably not Jim Dooley level, but um, you know, that were interesting to you or maybe you were worried went a little bit over the top? Not really. I mean, not in like a negative way, you know, I mean, definitely like on press tours and stuff. I remember like, in going to Mexico city for the premiere of a movie. And like the, the fans were just like, honestly amazing. And just like everything they brought and they like gave me a sombrero and they like made a pinata that looked like me. And it was like, certainly like an over the top, uh, celebration of fandom, but <laughs> in, in a way that I felt was really kind of like loving and wonderful, you know, I've never really luckily experienced anything negative in that way. My, my fans have always been very supportive and, and loving, even when they've been, you know, even when they've been like super fans, it's been always positive. So, you know, Stephen King obviously has had this rich career between all his written works, but then a lot of those being made into movies and TV shows. Do you have an all time favorite Stephen King novel or movie or TV show? I mean, I love the shining. I think it's one of the greatest scary movies of all time. Um, uh, you know, uh, I love misery. Um, you know, I think, those are probably my, my favorites. The Shining is one of my favorite horror movies of all time. So 
I mean, that, that definitely sticks out as probably, probably the one for me. You you mentioned the way the show kind of you know you know works with artistry and imagination for you you know and Scott Landon has this thing you know he, he as a child you know as a child he creates this kind of fancy world in his imagination where, that he uses later for inspire you know literary inspiration for you do you feel like when you're acting and when you're kind of creating do you go to another place you know within yourself to find the right thing to do with a character the right you know you know just in terms of an artist do you find you go to another place um yeah i think i do for sure like i think there's kind of a like level of focus and like um imagination that happens when i'm on a film set or when i'm acting that i'm not really able to achieve um like in everyday life you know i think i'm a very singularly focused individual and like when I'm acting, I, I definitely like enter a zone, um, that I, I think, yeah, I think is exactly how you described It's kind of like this, this, you know, this, um, other, this other place that I go to for sure. When you're in that Jim Julie zone though, you know, when you have to get out of it, like at the end of a take or at the end of a day, because he is such an intense character, does it take a little while to get the Julie out of you? You know, sometimes it does, um, depending on the project, but interestingly enough, this one didn't, I think, uh, uh, for, a, a, I think a big reason that it didn't is because, um, you know, Julian Moore is so lovely and so wonderful and such a nice person. Um, and she creates this really like wonderful, loving environment on set. So she was often the first one to like smile and laugh as soon as we were done with a take, you know, um, and also it filmed in New York city, which is where I live. So I was going home to my wife and at the time, just one kid. And, you know, I think, so there was a very clear line between my normal life and set life. Um, and because of those reasons, even though it is this kind of intense character, um, it was easy to go in and out of, you know, I think it also has to do with the, that so much of creating this character was, an exploration on set. Um, something that would happen once I was there. Um, so much of what we did wasn't necessarily written. It was just truly an exploration of this character. So, so much of the work and so much of entering that zone was only able to be achieved on set because of how we worked on it. We're going to assume that you probably don't want to look at another piece of fried chicken for a long time though. <laughs> I do love fried chicken. <laughs> it's been a long time since I've, uh, since that scene. So I could go to fried chicken for sure. I love fried chicken. Um, so you've done a lot of TV recently. Um, was there like any special reason? Are you more interested in like the pacing and the like work life of working on a TV show versus a movie? Or is it just where you've been interested in the stories? I think it, well, it's, obviously the nature of where things are going, you know, people are consuming things in different ways and there's more opportunity there. And like, honestly, like the coolest stuff that's been coming my way has been, um, these limited series, you know, they've been the stuff I've responded to the most, the characters that seem the most interesting, and, you know, the, you know, I'm working with directors I want to work with and I'm working with amazing actors. It just seems like it kind of just seems like what everyone's doing right now, you know? Um, it's the way the business is changing and um, I've definitely had a great time working on all the limited series that I've done. And a lot of it feels like a movie anyway, you know, it, when you have these big companies that kind of have like all the money in the world, like producing these series, it just feels like a big movie. You know, it, it, it we didn't shoot it 
we didn't shoot it any different than we would shoot a movie. It wasn't shot like episode by episode. It was shot out of sequence and, um, you know, it just, it felt like a movie, um, in the way we were shooting it. And I think the fact that it's limited series is really just like the nature of the business and how people are consuming things. And I'm sure it'll, that will continue. You know, I'm sure I'll do movies still too, but there's, I think there's going to be less movies and there will continue to be more and more series. When your kids are old enough, what project have you done? Or, you know, what thing have you done that you want to introduce them to first? Maybe not the stranger or Lisey's story at first, but you know, kind of um, what, what's, what's, what's the first thing? <laughs> I have no idea. You know, I think it'll have to do with like who they are as individuals and what they're into, you know, and hopefully by that time, they'll actually want to watch one of my movies. Um, I did, there's this movie that uh, in Europe was called Ballerina and it's like an animated movie. And um, Harvey Weinstein replaced my voice uh, for the American version of it. But um, I, I have a copy of the European version um, that I've showed my daughter. And it's like an animated movie about this like, um, orphan that escapes an orphanage and she like follows her dream of becoming a ballerina. So I've already showed that to my daughter. Um, and she really liked it. And I think she understood that like daddy's voice was that guy. <laughs> um, but you know, I think I'm not, I'm certainly not going to like shove my work <laughs> in the face, but if it seems like there's something like appropriate that they would respond to, or if they want to watch something, um, you know, I think I'll let that happen naturally. Right. If they're really into Spider-Man, you're like, oh, wait till you see this. <laughs> totally. I mean, that would be the coolest thing ever, you know. Thanks so much for taking the time to talk to us and um, best of luck with your career and everything you got going on. Yeah, cool. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. Have a good one. Thanks, Dane. Bye. Bye. Okay, listeners, it's your turn. What's your favorite Stephen King TV show book movie? Let's talk about it on Twitter. You can find us at Mothership Pod, or you can tweet at us individually. I'm at Brett Molina 23. I'm at Brian Truitt. And I'm at KLALS, K-L-A-W-L-S. Don't forget, you can send us email too. We're at MothershipPod at USAToday.com. That'll do it this week. Thanks so much for listening. Special thanks to our pilot slash producer of the Mothership this week, Adam Fish. If you like the podcast and don't want to miss an episode moving forward, you can subscribe to the Mothership for free on Apple Podcasts. While you're there, it would be swell if you could leave a rating or a review. Helps other people find the show, and we get some awesome feedback. If Apple Podcasts isn't your thing, you can also find us on Spotify, Stitcher, anywhere you get your podcasts. Until next week, nerds out. Later. Bye.